Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. This episode of Working Dog Radio is brought to you in part by the best training conference on the planet, HITS K9 Training and Conference, www.hitsk9.net, or call Jeff Barrett, 863-529-5113. We'll see you there. One of our other great sponsors, be sure to check them out, Ray Allen Manufacturing up in Colorado Springs, rayallen.com. Be sure to use the discount code WORKINGDOGRADIO for 10% off. Spell it out, get the discount. Everyone knows Ted and I are huge fans of Dogtra. Uh, we use all their products, lots of stuff. Dogtra.com, use the discount code WDR10 for 10% off a single item over $200. All right, everybody loves drag and drop the easiest way possible. The easiest way to get a kennel up and running is to get them from Horizon Structures. Go to horizonstructures.com or call 1-888-447-4337. Make sure you tell them that Working Dog Radio sent you. There you go. One of our newest sponsors and one of our favorites, Kinetic Dog Food. Kineticdogfood.com or call 512-279-8966. Get your dog on the right track. One of our other fantastic sponsors that are run by the Heiser, some of the best people in the industry. We love those guys. Uh, looking for a reputable canine kennel with dog sales and training services? They're located in sunny New Smyrna, Florida. Southern Coast Canine provides services worldwide from purchasing your next single or dual-purpose working dog to handler courses and seminars. Southern Coast is a great resource, so check them out. And where you can check them out is Southern Coast Canine. That's letter K, number 9.com, or give them a call, 877-903-DOGS. That's dogs. All right, everybody, we are back. Working Dog Radio broadcasting the bite. Coming to you from Canton, Ohio. My name is Eric Stanbro. With me, as always, from Tulsa, Oklahoma, is my co-host, Ted Summers. Ted, how is it going? It's hot. It's real hot. <laughs> it's summertime in Oklahoma. Uh, so, yeah, just training dogs. We're getting ready to uh, get back out to back to Indianapolis for HRD at the end of the week. Um, go back to the Central Indiana Canine Association, guys. Uh, we did the decoy camp with them. Uh, which is a big success. Um, and then we're going back to the same group and using their decoys now uh, to run uh, HRD, so to run an actual HRD uh, can, uh, seminar. So looking forward to that. Hopefully it won't be as hot. <laughs> yeah, it probably will be. <laughs> the thing about Indiana, it's weird. It's it's even more sketchier in Ohio, than Ohio is on as far as the weather change. It uh, Indiana changes a lot. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, we're le- I'm leaving. we're leaving Sunday. I'm rolling out, driving. I'm bringing four fucking dogs with me because I have a brand new kennel tech that I hired yesterday. Oh, yeah? And um, it would be a little much to Sunday leave her with six or seven. Well, how many do I have? Four, five, six, because I just got rid of one. Six working dogs. So I'm leaving her with the floppies, and I'm taking the the biters with me. Um, Regardless, the one dog I have, Jack, I'm the only one handling him anyway, so. Um, but anyways, I'm bringing four. Should be fun. Uh, by fun, I mean horrible for me. <laughs> Dealing with them, breaking them in between everything, and um, but yeah. So I had the uh, today was Wednesday. We're recording this on a Wednesday. Uh, I had the Canine Association guys at the uh, at the fun house today. So I have <clears throat> there's a class going on, a basic handler school going on. So I've been helping with that a little bit and uh, 
so Chris, the trainer, he ran that, and then I ran the training group. It was fun. We did some couple decent scenarios at my place, uh, some that took each guy a little bit of time and had to do, you know, some thinking and some work, so it was fun. They liked it. Um, but that's it, man. I'm hoping this kennel tech thing works out because <laughs> uh, I need to be able to go in in the morning and grab dogs and leave. But now I go in, I do all the work. I'm there an hour, hour and a half, and I'm wasting training time. So hoping that it, crossing my fingers that this girl works out. So Excellent. Yeah, we're, uh, we started two new dogs, two um, dual-purpose green dogs for departments in Kansas uh, last week. So they're going pretty well. One of them is a really, really, really good tracker. So um, I'm happy about that. The other one is a really good biter. So <laughs> we're yeah, we working on two different problems at the same time with two different dogs. So, um, it's been interesting. Uh, yeah. And then we've got another dog that is just, I, I never thought I would ever say this, but, um, almost has too much prey and is yeah. just like, I mean, I use flags to mark, uh, like where turns are on tracks. Right. So like my, it's a known track. So whoever's handling <laughs> And the dog gets so high up in prey that if the flag moves in the wind, he just, he can't like, I mean, he, he can't do anything else. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's been interesting. So we're working on drive capping with him. <laughs> Good. Yeah. So, uh, who do we got going today? All right. So <clears throat> this is episode 102 and this is our second one of our ladies of canine series. Uh, two weeks ago, you guys listened to Debbie Johnson from Canines United, it was a great episode. Um, great ladies doing great things for the canine industry. And tonight, or today, we have um, a, a lady who is good friends of ours, big supporters, we do well together uh, with the podcast and, and this company. She is a former cop. She's been in dogs a long time since she was a little girl runs one of the most successful uh, canine training businesses and pet dog training businesses and trainer training businesses and stuff uh, in the country uh, with us from Highland Canine is Aaron Perguson. Aaron, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Good, good. I, <clears throat> you're like us. We have like 10 irons in the fire, so we're really <laughs> happy that you could get yeah. you know an hour or so out of your day. Um, yeah, for sure. I before we get into um, like your background and everything, um, mention real quick like all the things that you run down there. Well, let's see. We've got uh, pet dog training. Uh, we've got service dog training. We have obviously working dog training, police dogs, detection. Um, we have a school for dog trainers um, where we actually teach people how to become a dog trainer from step one to finish. And we cram as much as we can in six months. Uh, for most people, we have some smaller classes. Um, we have a podcast as well. And we also just started a nonprofit last year. Like I said, you got a lot of shit going on. <laughs> Man. Uh, yeah, we have a lot awesome. of help, though. Uh, so I, got, I got a good career yeah. right now. So it's moving yes, along. you do. We've... we've We've spent a lot of time with the Pergasons. Uh, if you guys remember, her husband Jason's a uh, mem- he was on this podcast um, in the first year, I believe, and um, mm-hmm. 
what, at these seminars, we see each other a lot at uh, conferences and stuff like that. So we get to hang out and maybe tip back a few here and there and uh, have some fun, tell some jokes, tell some lies. And, and uh, she's always got a good group of people with her. Um, so we always like to, when the Pergasons are there. Uh, bef- we're going to get into your background. We'll talk about it later, but I'm really curious to hear what it's like running a six-month school for dog trainers. Like, not the training of the dogs, the people aspect of it. Not the people. And if it, right, and if it truly is like herding cats at times. But um, so, anyways, let's kick it off like we do. Let's uh, talk about where it all started. Okay, um, I got into dogs as a as a child. My dad was a pretty avid deer hunter. Um, he was a member of a pretty big hunting club in North Carolina, or at the time, you could still. Uh, run the deer dogs. So we had beagles and walkers and things like that. Um, and he would have me at like five years old and we'd drop a pack of dogs in and uh, help cover a hundred acre area and push a deer out for the other hunters in the club. And I got hooked. He'd turn around and look at me and say, you hear the dogs barking? Yep. You hear the difference when they're on the deer and when they're not? Yes, sir. And he walked me to death, um, and I would gladly go with him up until I was about 14, and then I started thinking that I need to get chase boys and whatnot. So that ended my deer hunting career, and of course, you can't run dogs anymore anyway. So, But no, dogs have been a huge, or animals in general have been a huge part of my life for as far as back as I can remember. So they, they stopped doing that? They don't allow that anymore, running deer? Uh-uh. It's not... It's really not enough land anymore to do it. Um, there may be one county in North Carolina where you can still run deer, and I'm really not even sure if that exists anymore. It was out toward the coast. Yeah. What about coyotes? Oh, we got a lot of them. <laughs> I mean, do you run? We So where I ask, because where I live, um, there's a group of people that come out several times a year and do massive dog running coyote hunts. And they get oh, no, 20, we don't have that at a time. No, we don't have that yet. Mm. Um, we, we can hunt them year-round right. here, but we don't have the dog aspect yet. So I'd be interested to, to see. Coyotes are gross. Yeah. They are. It, well, it's <laughs> funny. Have, Dad. <laughs> Today, disgusting. I was working the training group on some uh, that triple track system that I have, Ted, and uh, right. working that, you know, getting them back to basics a little bit. And we actually had to stop a dog because a coyote walked right out, like, I don't know how, 20 yards from him, 30 yards, and stopped dead and just stared at him. A good size one, too. We're like, you son of a bitch, uh, get out of here. Uh, it's, it's weird when they get like that because, you know, they, they don't just come out and confront dogs all the time. So it was kind of strange. No. Yes. And make a hair stand up on the back of your neck for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, so I mentioned in the, in the uh, introduction that you uh, used to be a cop. Talk about, like, when you got into that, how that all come about. It's just kind of random. Um, I went to college at App State, graduated, ended up in criminal justice. Um, I have no idea why. just kind of went that direction. I had a couple buddies of mine that were in it, and I started liking classes. So I got a four-year degree there. Um, Did an internship in juvenile probation, decided that wasn't for me, Um, and just went to rookie school in 2002. Or 2001, and then I was hired in 2002. Uh, 
started off at Riesel Police Department, a small town in North Carolina, and uh, worked about a year and a half on the road there and went into narcotics, met Jason there. We got married, talk of the town. We moved away. (laughs) So we settled... We settled um, in Iredale County, and I went back into law enforcement when we got settled, and I did uh, seven years at the Iredale County Sheriff's Department. Uh, Six months in a jail, and then the majority of it in narcotics, mostly undercover. You got to work with, so while you were there, uh, you did get to work with, uh, how many dogs did those guys have while you were there? Uh, It was probably 16 or 18 at that point. They had a huge canine team um we I think they still do we don't actually, they? they're they're down to 12 to 14 we we have their contract still, now still uh, large, we work those guys every month yeah so um they're doing fantastic but when i was there they were working with a different vendor talk about some memorable times talk about your first experience working with alongside one of the dual purpose dogs even after um having kind of grown up working around working dogs it was incredible like i was the I had a guy, his name was John Pulliam, on my shift, and he was a pretty new canine handler. And this was back at Reesville. I was a rookie. I had no idea what I was doing with anything. And uh, he was like, hey, will you go run in the woods? I'm like, yeah. I don't, you know, I don't want to sit in the car. Let's go. go We're bored. The There's no calls. Done. Oh, um, you know, I would take a bite. had no idea what I was doing. Uh, pretty sure it was the old saw method, you know, that we frown upon now. And just just fell in love with it. Started going there training, just helping them out, volunteering. But it wasn't until it was one night there was an armed robbery, which is in a small town. Doesn't happen too often that we were in. But the guy took off, and uh, I got to run behind John and his dog, and we caught the guy. And you know, I was just back up, keeping the light, keeping up with them. And you know, we we drew down on the guy in the woods or whatever, and. Watching that dog do that, pitch black, there was there was no, it was the middle of the night. You know, the handler wasn't making him go anywhere. It was all just nonstop action and believing in the dog and trusting it. And then we apprehended the criminal, and it was, like, done for me. I was hooked. So after that, I didn't really stop going to help train, and that's where I met Jason. you got to back that up a little bit. That's where I just, where I met Jason. What is how that happened? What you gotta tell he me? Was I love the stories where, the, where you hated a dude and then you, he grew on you or something. Like yeah, <laughs> you remember me telling you that, don't you? That's funny. Yeah. So yeah, so I would hang out and I was like, and they was like, well, here comes the sergeant over canine, and I was like, God, you know, he's he's just such an asshole. Like he won't make eye contact with me, and he won't like he would just kind of call me, hey you, like I wouldn't call by name, like. It was the strangest thing, but those of you that have met Jason in the beginning, that's pretty much how he rolls, but uh, it takes him a little bit to warm up. But yeah, I couldn't stand him for a long time, and then uh, it took months, and then he started coming out of the shell, and he started being funny, and then I realized he was like a super nerd, and uh, he always studied case law, he always just memorized everything and was constantly learning and i was more of a free spirit so you know you know they say opposites attract sometimes 
up here in the north, and I don't, I, I don't know about over in uh, Tulsa, but the guy not making eye contact and calling you, hey, you, is flirting, Aaron. You just you must have been off your game. That's, that's, that's just guys who didn't know how to flirt or flirting. Right. Well, no, I don't think so. No. <laughs> no. Not at all. Um, MO with his stand. He's gotten better, though. I think I've loosened him up over the years. He's been married now 16 years, so he's kind of had to learn to awesome. be uncomfortable. <laughs> I like Ted and Alicia. So, I mean, really. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have they I'm – I'm just going to leave that alone. Um, did, have, did he talk you out of – talk you into leaving? How that whole thing work out? You're there 10 years is a while. Uh, Jason started off his career with uh, Jerry Bradshaw at Tar Heel um, and when Jason and I were dating, the department had sent him kind of like part-time. He would go it like a week or two at a time to learn how to uh, be a canine instructor, basically. He was in love with it. Uh, and then it was Jerry and Eddie and that whole crew, and um, he just couldn't get enough. And Jerry offered him a job not long after he finished the school. And at this point, we were engaged, I think, and he's like, you know, what do I do? And I'm like, He'd been in law enforcement 10 years, and he was kind of ready to make a move. And I had just started my career. I'd only been like two years. So he started driving to um, Tar Heel, hour and a half to commute one way, um, and left law enforcement. And we decided to move from Reesville. He worked for Jerry for a few years. Jerry taught him a lot about behavior, fight work, business, trailing, everything. I mean, he pretty much started the fire for Jason and I to just branch out and do more. So when we left Tar Hill, we came to Iredale County and we ended up settling um, here in this area. And then that's when I went on to work for Iredale. Well, we started with nothing. Jason cashed in his 401k. He, we built six kennels in the backyard of the house that we just bought. Um, my only salary was me at Iredell, like working in the jail, which was nothing. And Jason was trying to get pet dog gigs. So we were hurting for a while, <laughs> for years actually. Um, and we just messed up and grew a little bit at a time and would do something right and then not do something right. And we just, picked it apart and we're we realized that in the canine industry there's there's not a lot of people that want to take the time to teach people they love to train the dogs and we kind of saw an opportunity with that um so i stayed working full-time like i said for about seven more years to support uh jason and our company and my days off i was working kennels i mean we were all in it and uh then we, you know, we gambled and uh, put all our eggs in one basket, and um, I left and went all in to help push this thing and make it grow. Um, and that's that when scary? I added in the, oh God, yeah, and that's when we added mm-hmm. in the service dog, um, service dog aspect of it as well. Fast forward to now, how many kennels do you have? We probably have sixty. 
bus. Everybody is crate training some dog or puppy or something somewhere else. So we probably have a good 60 here, plus whatever puppies we're working on. Real quick, I ask everybody this. When they get big like that, do you look back at the six kennel days and like, ah, that was the good old days? <laughs> we do. I do. Um <laughs> Maybe not, maybe not at the sixth kennel, but maybe the twelve. Yeah, the twelve was a little more comfortable. I don't know. We we just we thrive in chaos. I don't. We don't know how to act when we don't have irons in the fire. It's just it's how we roll. I don't really know if that's healthy or not, but we have a pretty good time doing it. So, <laughs> and we're always growing. So as long as we don't stay stagnant, I'm cool with it. I like the new adventures. But it's it's definitely been a ride for sure. We're on year fifteen, I think. Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah, we've uh, Ted and I have hung out with you guys in the evenings a lot. It is an adventure. I'll give you that. <laughs> um, it, it we have we play hard and work hard, right? So, that's so right. we always have a good time. Filling a void, where you see the void of of not training the humans. Did you guys? start out keeping like the pet dog trainer stuff separate and then doing canine or, cause I know you have that school for dog trainers that touches on all of it. How, how did right. that whole thing mesh together? Bread and butter back then was pet dog training. That's how we had food on the table. That's how we paid our bills, everything. Um, I don't think we will, we will ever let that aspect of dog training go. Um, we value it so much. Um, so that, when Jason started advertising for um, back in working dogs and training police dogs, uh, we started out with handler schools and, you know, three, four-week handler schools. And we're like, they, they, you know, there's something missing and these people don't know. And we're working on group classes and we're trying to teach people. And, and we're like, well, what if we did a six-week class and teach people how to do pet obedience? And then it was, what if we make it 12 weeks and we teach them how to do behavior mod? And then uh, a few years later, it was um, probably five years later, it was, well, what if we do 18 weeks and we teach them how to do service dog tasks? And then six months, we're at six months, which you need dog. I mean, six months is nothing in dog training. You guys know that. That's, oh, yeah. you, you learn enough to get yourself in trouble, probably. Um, if you're too cocky with it, well, that's but it like, is a good, it's a good foundation, you know? Right. And, you know, I encourage people because one of the questions, like one of the great things about these ladies of canine episodes is we constantly have people asking like, well, how do you, in fact, I had an email from somebody the other day that's in um, Ohio and he asked me a very specific question about, um, how to be a trainer in Ohio. And, um, I asked Eric and Eric filled me in on, because they have a, a deal where you have to be certified through OPATA or through the Oklahoma or what is it? The Ohio, what is it, Eric? The Ohio, uh, the Ohio peace officer training. Commission. There you go. Yeah. So once you're an approved vendor, then you can be, then you can sell a dog that can be then certified in the state. So right. like there was, he was having that disconnect. But, um, you know, one of the things that I tell people all the time is that if you want to train police dogs, go to a police dog training school and right. like go and do that. Cause people come to me all the time. They're like, Oh, we want a pet dog. I'm like, not my thing. Like, I mean, I can do it, but that's not my specialty. Eric 
you know, and like Aaron Taylor and you guys um, and Ray, our other business partner, they all have very successful pet trading businesses. And we, one, don't have the manpower. And two, like, it's just not my thing. Um, like, I enjoy dealing with police officers. Um, I don't enjoy dealing with pet owners. Um, like, just, that, I mean, basically... I don't want to have to justify why or how I'm doing something to them. Um, like with police guys, it's pretty much straightforward. Like we have to go down a checklist like this and this and this and this and this has to get done. Um, right. And then same thing with personal protection. I, I've done one personal, two personal protection dogs um, in the last six years. And I've turned down a yeah, bunch just because. Tough. Oh, yeah, God. Those and those are just an, an impossible checklist with a budget yeah. that is minuscule minuscule yeah so they basically want a robot most of the time yeah and they or the budget is five grand you're like i bet it is well if you find it let me know because i'll buy them i'll pay more than you will so right. um <laughs> which is usually what i tell them but you know i tell people all the time if you want to train police dogs go to a police dog training school or somebody that that like that's what they do um, so, and the well-rounded stuff is great. Um, and you know, it's produced a lot of really, really, really good trainers. People that have come out of your school. I've met out of Bradshaw school, uh, out of, obviously out of Tom Rose. Um, we have our right. own school that is only police dog stuff. Like I don't do pet stuff. We don't do right. like, and so talk a little bit about, um, like if for people that want to get into the industry, whether it's the pet side, the service dog side, or the police side or whatever it is kind of give some people advice to like which direction they would go to successfully do that. Well, my advice to them is they need to go, they need to go to a kennel. Um, you know, we get a lot of people that say, and they, you know, police canine, it's badass. It's cool. You can do cool shit. Um, you're, you know, taking asses to jail is fantastic. When when you get that phone call at 2 a.m. and Handler's on the side of the road and he just, you know, hit a load of dope or whatever, you just, it makes everything worth it. Like, all the bullshit is worth it. And I don't know if, if people understand that the high that we get as trainers in that aspect, um, but a lot of them can't relate to it when we actually show them what training a police dog looks like. Um you know, it's it's pain in the ass. It's you're getting chewed up over stupid shit. Um, you can't keep kennel help because their sweatshirt gets torn out of hell. Um, <laughs> you know, you you know, it's 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 a bitch. And and, and but people go because they they see like you know the the end result, and that's all they focus on. But they don't understand how we got there, um, and they don't understand the business side of it. So I actually invite them to come to the kennel before they even sign up for our school. Hey, come take a tour. Hey, look at this. You know, look at the dog dragging this dog around. And they usually will say, okay, yeah, I want to do it. Uh, but then when it comes time to do scenarios in around, they get graded on practicals with working dogs around four and a half months, if they're in the six months, we do that at the end. Um, that's something else I want to talk about, how we did get in the end. And then they don't, they're like, yeah, no, nah, I ain't doing that. I mean, they'll finish the whole six months and go be a pet dog trainer or uh, I'm going to say 85% of them that said they want to be a police trainer, police dog trainer, don't make it. They'll go do something else. Or they'll go be a handler oh. for a detection service. 
So it's the sad part is social media. We make it look easy, and flashy, and pretty, and then when they get here, which is good, you know, I'm glad when they get here and see the the long process it takes to get to where you want it, and then teaching that handler. Um, what you just done without them undoing everything that you just done is, is pretty tricky. Uh, it's, hmm. it's a lot of work and it's intimidating, especially if you're, if you don't understand cops or military guys, you know? Yeah. Cops. Yeah. Are, yeah. And everybody says this cops are and Eric. Well, now that Eric has dealt with the public, he may disagree or may agree with me, but cops are mm-hmm. way easier. They're paid to be there. Like they have to listen to me. Like they, they have to, and if they don't, I just call their fucking sergeant or their captain or whoever and be like, hey, <laughs> like, right. or Scott has a, Scott has one of his talks with them and, um, you know, but they, uh, they have to listen to me and they're being paid to be there. So, and thankfully I'm not an idiot. So, you know, and Eric, you yeah. know, and Scott's like classic not. DNR <laughs> so, does not respond to training. Sorry, yes. Sarge. You're going to have to yep. do something with you. It, so yeah, I, it is, some, I mean, it is. Yeah, it is. For sure. Not, um, I've had some of those guys come that are well-intentioned, right? And yeah, they just don't get it. And I'm like, there's 9 million other jobs in law enforcement. This one's probably not for you. Or, <laughs> like, or they're in it for the wrong reasons. They uh, want the, yeah, those guys. You know, they want the cool uh, car. They want the canine sticker. The problem with those dudes is they usually get one of our dogs that, and you know, Eric is kind of like me too. And Scott, we don't, like water stuff down for departments and they'll get dogs. Like they'll get a dog. That's a dual purpose dog. <laughs> and if right. I can't handle it, it's like, Hey, like I look, you know, I'm, I'm real like understanding about it. Like, like I get it. This is like a fucking buzzsaw on a leash. I get it. But like, you know, you gotta, you know, and we break them in a little bit, but there are sometimes I'm like, you just don't get it, dude. Like, uh, it doesn't happen yeah. as much anymore, but you know, and I'm usually really, uh, like sympathetic to that because 99% of the time canine handlers are there for the right reason. Oh, not 99. Yeah. A lot of the time they're there for the right reason. Yeah. They are. And, you know, and on top of that, I got to remember they're not a fucking dog trainer. They don't know how to handle a dog. And on top of that, they're a police officer, which means that they have right. a ton of other responsibilities. Like, you know, I tell my guys all the time, you're a cop first and a canine handler second. So you still have to do all this stuff. And, I, uh, it's one of those things. I enjoy that. I do not enjoy arguing with people about what level three protection is. Right. And what they think it's fucking worth. I don't care. Don't call me. Don't send me an email and ask me to do it. I'm not going to do it. So (laughs) I don't care. I think our favorite, one of our favorites, like it's probably a year and a half, two years ago, but we had a protection dog client and they, they actually bought one and they were pretty legit. And then, and we're like, wow, this is kind of going smooth. Well, then the shipment comes in to Highland, and it's a portable pee station that goes on your balcony. And he wants this mallet of pee on this pee station. Oh, my um, gosh. What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were like, okay, here, here it is. Like, here's the... Here's what we were waiting for. We were waiting for the other foot to drop. We are like, all right. And, of course, the dog didn't want to pee on the pee station, so that was, it was just a shit show. We wanted to fucking tear it up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So we, uh, it was uh, awesome. I love yeah, it. We, I've had people contact me, and they're like, I, I just I want a green dog. I'm like, okay. You know, and I'm like, what are you expecting this dog to be like? Right? 
And because rare, when a department calls me, like when, for instance, my local department, TPD, they're great. They do a great job. They're great trainers, great handlers, super professionally run. Um, Mm -hmm. when they call and they say, we need a green dog, I know exactly what they want. Right. So I've had a dude call and like, I want a green dog. And I'm like, what department are you with? He's like, I'm not with the department. I'm like, Oh, okay. So I kind of talked to him and so come to find out he wants the dog to have an object guard. He wants the dog to have like all this crazy off leash obedience. He wants the dog, which an object guard is super fucking hard to teach and it takes years and to do it correctly. And he wants like this defensive handler stuff. I mean, and he considered that green, and his budget was $3,000. Right. And I was just like, well, I, that's, I, I politely was kind of like, no, that's not going to happen. But, Thanks for coming out. No, he, he said he, he would do me a favor. He would fly down and evaluate the dog for me. I'm like, oh, oh sweet. Okay. I love those yeah. calls, too. Yeah. I denied. Yeah. I denied. It's okay. Um, <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> We're going to take a break real quick. When we come back, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the school um, yep. and about uh, some of the some of the more of the uh, doing some of the police dog interaction stuff. So, everybody, we'll be back in just a second. Don't fast forward through the commercials. Uh, listen for the discount codes for sure. And Ray Allen Canine Manufacturing. It's no secret that we love Ray Allen Canine Equipment. We use their products every single day. Their mission statement says it all. To be a world leader in quality and innovation of professional canine equipment for police, military, Schutzen, and ring sport. To exceed our customers' expectations and delivery on time, every time, at a fair price. We full-heartedly believe they've held true to that. Since it is our go-to one-stop shop for everything dog. One of the longtime sponsors of Working Dog Radio from the beginning has been Highland Canine in North Carolina. Tactical Police Canine, a.k.a. Highland Canine in North Carolina, offers training, seminars, and consulting globally for police, military, and non-government agencies. They provide customized training programs to address specific problems and meet the needs of your organization. Check out their wide array of handler courses, instructor courses, supervisor courses, and online courses at Tactical Police canine training.com uh jason and aaron Ferguson are two of our most favorite people and they have been with us since the beginning so hit them up we get it fueling a working dog can be tough but they need that high quality food to give them the energy and nutrients that they require for the work we ask them to do kinetic dog food has a great balance of healthy meats and grains and is made specifically for working and sporting dogs They have a full line of foods and supplements available, and they've been working to perfect their line with thousands of dogs in hundreds of departments across the U.S., and you can buy it locally, online, or at Tractor Supply. Another one of our favorite partnerships is with the one and only Dogtra. These guys are producing some amazing tools in the dog training world, everything from e-collars, GPS tracking, ball training, Bark collars. If it's electronic, Dogtra is the best. They are truly revolutionizing the way you communicate with your dog. Plus, they give us a great discount code. Go to Dogtra.com. Everybody hears me say all the time, you can't teach dogs to bite people and act shocked when they do. Inevitably, I get bit. You've all heard me talk about how I get tagged and being tagged by a dog sucks. So I've used Quick Term (laughs) to help myself. Uh, But before... 
I had to go to the doctor's office. Uh, it, it definitely helped keep down infection and everything else. And I've had some uh, non-scarring because of it too, so it's pretty good. But it's no exaggeration. This stuff is great. Once daily treatment for any skin condition on small wounds to help stop little issues from becoming big ones that your admins are sure to love. It comes in a spray, it comes in an ointment, it comes in a dressing. Quickterm is great at creating protective barrier and promoting wound healing. There's no reason not to have a bottle of this in the patrol car, or your kennel, or your first aid cabinet. Plus, it's, it's uh, temperature stable. So you can keep it in the patrol car when it's cold, when it's hot, whenever, and it'll still be good. Make sure you hit them up at vetcare.us and use the discount code 10WDR for a discount on your first purchase, which is going to be 10%. Have you ever dreamed of having your own kennel, but don't know where to start? Horizon Structures has taken all of the guesswork out of building a kennel. Everything is pre-built to your specifications and preferences, and then assembled and dropped off at your land. Boom, new kennels. And these things are amazing. You've got to see them to truly believe them. Their website, horizonstructures.com, is a one-stop shop. Build your best kennel, your favorite things you want. Check it out, horizonstructures.com. All right, we're back uh, with Aaron Ferguson from Highland Canine out in North Carolina. Uh, we just kind of talked a little bit about how we got to where uh, you're running these dog training schools and selling police dogs and doing pet training and some other stuff. So let's talk a little bit about uh, – so at HRD, um, to kind of keep everything running smoothly, we um, name a lot of our scenarios. So if you've ever been to an HRD or hear Eric or I talk about them a lot, we name them all. Some of them are self-explanatory. Other names are not, um, and I'm not going to really talk about how we do that. Um, but <laughs> so at Highland, you guys have a lot of students from not here and I mean, not the United States, right? So Correct. what special rules are in place at Highland because of stuff that's happened at, at school? Um, well, there's many, <laughs> but a few that stand out, um, you know, would probably be, um, please do not maim animals in our house or bathroom or anywhere in the, because we rent houses for student housing and then they stay in the houses that we rent. And so basically we, we had some students that were, um, you know, from third world countries basically. And, you know, it was like, okay, well I'm going to eat chicken. So I'm just going to slaughter it in the bathroom and uh, pluck it. And, you know, we're just going to head out to the grill and do our thing. Um, so the neighbors kind of saw it, and then we had a we had a cleaning lady go by there, and she called me, and she's like, I'm quitting. There's blood in the bathroom. So, you know, Jason and I are like, oh, shit. <laughs> Somebody's dead. Like, what is it? So we go over there, and they had, you know, just killed their meal, which is what they do, and that's cool. It's just It just doesn't work here. So we had to kind of go back, and I'm like, you look, you can't steal. Like, because they kept asking me about my goat, and it's my pet goat. And I'm like, you're not eating my goat. Like, you can't take people's goats, and you're not eating that. You're not slaughtering it in my bathroom. So we've literally put in um, all kinds of just dumb rules. Um, it's It's... The six-month school for dog trainer, trainers is the most rewarding and the most crazy thing that Jason and I 
<clears throat> do in life. It's uh, you're putting 20 to 30 students, majority of them from the United States, some are international. I'd say two to three are international. And we're packing them in probably three different houses. Some of them get their own housing. They're together 50 hours a week because uh, we, we do all day, Monday through Friday, but then there's extra stuff and weekends, and then you're living together. So we can straight up do, like, Big Brother reality show every day. When you're mixing that kind of – because you're going to get your love triangles and your mean girl vibes and the dudes are fighting and but in the mean like we still work dogs like we get stuff done um but it's uh it's pretty much sometimes daycare honestly it's uh it's kind of when you're feeling like when you're back on patrol and you're like okay am i a babysitter am i a counselor today what are we doing are we actually going to do something today like it's it kind of goes back to that mentality sometimes um and but then, you know, in the end, sometimes we can get some badass trainers out of it. So there's that. <laughs> With a six month trainer school, um, obviously, um, things are um, kind of isolated out there where you're at. So talk about some of the uh, <laughs> things that have happened uh, as far as having uh, <laughs> some relationships and or babies or marriages that have come out of that. We we've had all of them. We have had um, we've had people get married we've had people change uh they were straight and then they went gay and they got married that way which is fine i don't have any problem with it but it just all happens in my school and so we're like but yeah and then we got the cheating we have uh the jealous boyfriend we have had to escort them off our property um we've had a you know we we've had all kinds of just insane stuff happen um over the years um and it's it's i mean it's just like i said it's like a reality show like you you never know what's going to happen and you never know where people are mentally um and it's that's the cool thing about animals too is that people think oh well you know i'm not really good with people so i'm going to work with animals but the problem is is last time i checked the dog can't swipe the debit card or write the check. So you still have to deal with people and you have to teach them and you have to learn how to deal with people or it just the whole thing just doesn't work out. So, I mean, if you want to work in behind the scenes and you're not good with people, that's cool. It, we all, everybody needs that in their company. But if you're trying to stand out and you don't work good with people, that's when it becomes a problem. Um, and, and, and we have to see that and kind of, put that fire out pretty quick i do have a question for you and I, i'm sure i know the answer to this was mitchell christian the biggest pain in the ass of any student you've ever had <laughs> truthful yes i knew it every day called it <laughs> every day we the don the john denver alarm clock would go off uh <laughs> and it's you know we're like trying to line up for group obedience and bitches baking pancakes or something in the office on our stove and we're like mitch dude we we have something to do but then he'd get it together eventually but yeah no mitch christian was uh he might be in the book later we'll have to see he may make it 
We have we have certain you students that are going to sing him. it. Oh, I love him. And did you see that stash he's got right now? Oh, gosh. In the America shirt with open, he's riding oh. horses, he's got the stash. Just straight up ridiculous. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but, no, I mean, we nah, – it's like this class, we had a really good class, and they dealt with the COVID stuff very well because we had to kind of just change up the way we do school just in general. Um, and uh, they were very patient with that. And we had more people asking for internships out of this class than we've had in a couple of years. Um, so the school is good, but we just, your welcome dog community, we just get to weed out some of the ones that shouldn't be there. Um, so you guys don't have to do it later. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, dealing with people, dealing with clients, and the public in general is always a show. Um, but, I mean, good things can come out of it, too. But, um, and that's that brings you back. I mean, we talk about police dogs and working dogs, but hands down, and Jason will tell you this, service dogs is the hardest branch of dog training that we have. You have to be personal with that family. You have to get in there. You have to really um, do an extensive uh, application process with them to make sure they can even benefit from having a service dog. Do you know what you're going to get? And then it gets real personal because this is their family. To somebody, it's just super duper mental, mentally challenging. Not training the dog. It's actually from beginning to end the process of it. And then at the delivery, we actually go into their home and stay with them three to five days. We hear what they do, um, where they go, uh, if they have a child where the kid doesn't do well. So we teach them how to use the service, the dog for that aspect of it. Then we'll go somewhere fun. Um, and then, you know, you have to, you have to listen and you have to, you have to be there for them, and you don't have a choice because they're already um, their life's already kind of turned upside down with somebody that has a disability, whether the child was born with it or it came later from an accident or wreck. Um, that that field can can be overlooked because it's it's uh it's tough it's tough for the trainer. Again, not to train the dog, but to work with the people. Uh, but it is the most rewarding thing ever. Um, whether it's a veteran, a kid, uh, we've even done, we've started doing it little elderly people. Um, I used to not get into that too much because I was like, yeah, you know, elderly people, they're not, but they love it. And, you know, if they have another 10 or 20 years left, they, they appreciate it. And as long as they have help taking care of the dog and the training and the families on board, we're down with it, but it's uh, it's pretty. It's the coolest thing ever. Um, but uh, even Jason says it hardest thing to train service dogs from beginning to end. Even family selection, like selecting the family, is tough. Uh, it was a perfect segue because I I wanted to get into the service dog stuff because we haven't really touched on it very much, if at all, on Working Dog Radio. Um, so, like. <clears throat> I'm, I'm 
one of these guys and a lot of people are the service dog industry is and the protection dog industry are two of the biggest con jobs from a lot of people. Um, fake bullshit protection. They're just mean yep. defensive dogs. And then yep. people stealing people blind for service dogs. Um, yeah. uh, we get calls about it all the time. I'm not a service dog trainer. I'm not saying I couldn't, but it's just not my, you know, and I, I'm not against training service dogs. It's not my niche. Um, so uh, let's talk about, um, so for example, you guys are legit. Your service dogs are legit. What, what service dogs do you do? I'm sure there's a litany of them, but uh, give, you know, rattle off four or five of them, what you do and, yeah, we do, um, and kind of what they do. Yeah, we do um, autism assistance, and I can go into that later if you want me to. Um, we do signal for the deaf. Seizure alert, um, if we're able to. I can get into that later, too. Um, and we do stability, which would be somebody that um, isn't in a wheelchair yet, but maybe needs some bracing and some other types of things. And then mobili- full mobility is wheelchair, opening drawers, cutting on lights, fetching things for them, specific stuff. Um we do that too. So basically, we we pretty much will do anything except for the blind. Um, you have to work with the dog about three years, and you have to you have to take the dog out of them, uh, basically, because they're on twenty four seven. So that's not our thing. And then we don't do diabetic because uh, David at Abimpe hasn't hooked us up with that yet. But we just. Mm-hmm feel comfortable guaranteeing that the dog can alert to sugar levels that we can't proof them on. So, um, so we're not comfortable with that one yet. I, I know it can be done naturally. I know the dogs can sense it, but I, as a trainer, I don't feel comfortable saying, yeah, we can, yeah, give me fifteen, twenty thousand $20,000. Yeah, no, I can't guarantee with the, you know, so, but uh, David's, that's on his to-do list. So we're working on that. Now, these types of dogs that these people reach out to you or everything, is this stuff that's like um, covered by their insurance? Because we get calls and I don't know how to get people started in the right direction in the service dog stuff. Um, generally not. Um, it's unusual. Sometimes they can pull it off. Um, sometimes you get VA benefits. Um and the thing is, is our our main service dog for Highland is for profit. So everybody's like, well, "Why are you not a nonprofit?" Well, we're not a nonprofit for service dogs because it gives people an option. They can put a deposit down, put their name on the waiting list because we're about, I think we're back out to like a year and a half now, um, waiting list. So. They can they can get their name on the list with a deposit on our credit card, and then they can fundraise if they want to. In between, because we don't ask for the money all at one time, we do it sections. Like when we pick the dog, we do another deposit. When the dog's closer to ten months old, we invite the family out or the handler out, and if it's a good match, we'll ask for another little chunk, and then we don't get paid the end of it till after delivery. So. Um, it's, 
So it gives them time to either fundraise or or finance or look for or or however they're going to do it. Uh, it gives them a little time to figure it out. So that's why we like the for-profit side of the service dog. They, uh, the scammers are unbelievable. I don't understand when operating a business for profit was evil anyway. But, um, and right. I, I mean, nobody complains when any of those people have to buy any of the products that are related. So, right. you know, and yeah. there's a difference. I, I mean, it's a whole other topic. But so with these service dogs, um, let's kind of circle back um, to like one of the autism awareness dogs so, or not awareness, but uh, one of the autism dogs. What talk? I mean, that's a as somebody that is slightly Asperger's anyway. Um, I mean, I don't need a dog. Actually, I have one and he kind of helps, but he's kind of a, he's not that. But so what um, what's the selection process like? Like, what do they do? <laughs> I mean, but, I don't even know. I get that the most. Yeah, I get that all the time. Like, what, what are you doing? Um, I didn't know we we didn't know what we were doing. With that I had to do a lot of research on that, and it wasn't until I had a, a very close friend of our family's child fifteen years ago. Their, their kid got diagnosed kind of later with with uh, autism, and um, Jason and I started studying it, looking at it, and we're like. Well, you know, it's it's a, it's a fully trained dog. Um, when the child or or the adult with autism gets uh, where they can't deal with whatever's happening, whether it's or light or just changing anything in their schedule, they start to get excited. The dogs can either do a deep pressure, a lay command, can interrupt the is uh, stemming with a touch uh, or a call, depending on who it is. And then we started adding trailing to our list of things because mm, 90% of these kids, especially puberty, constantly bolt and run away. We give the parent, we our poodles and doodles and goldens and labs are doing cold trails when they leave. They deliver to the the family and we send them material before the delivery and then we work with them hands-on while we're there stuff later and we teach them how to find their kid and it is it's worked and they have and they didn't have to call the police and they didn't have to do anything um it gives them a little bit of comfort we also do tethering which is to some people can be uh controversial because they think it's bad to be tethered to the kid, but whatever. The kids respond well to it, and if the parent is willing to do the work, it, is a, it makes their life easier. You don't have to worry about your kid bolting through the breaking your hand and bolting through the parking lot because they see something they want, or they, you know, got freaked out over whatever, or they anxious. Because these kids, most of these kids are nonverbal, we so they can't say, "Hey, you know, I'm uncomfortable." You just have to, you have to just go with it. And, and that's what these families are doing. And they're looking for any kind of tool to help them with. And for most families, not all families, and I've taken some dogs back or I've talked about it getting one. It, this dog is a good tool and it's done some great things for them. And with a lot of these with autism, they have other issues. Maybe it's seizures or 
or something else. There's other tasks that we do for the dog. It's not just, oh, okay, your dog's going to, this dog's going to do this, 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 here you go, out. No. We find the dog, we customize it to what that family needs, and then we deliver it. I, I would imagine then you guys have have um, created a, a pretty interesting, amazing relationships with these people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it gets past the, it gets past the client relationship like it's when you leave you feel like part of their family and the trainers get cards from them and they get texts from them and they get questions from them and problems from them and videos from them hey this this is what the dog's doing today you know it's when you do the program right that's one of the hardest areas in working dog i think Circling back to um, what Ted asked in the beginning is, how, what are you looking for in a dog for specifically for this autism assistance? We are looking for, we, have, we can't have it too much, it's not too much drive, but it can't be lazy. We're not looking for the lazy dog. We're, we, we're looking for food motivated, preferably, sometimes toy motivated. And like I said, we'll train anything. I mean, we're working with a shelter dog now. But for the most part, because a lot of the the kids with uh, autism have really bad allergies and whatnot. So a lot of times the reason that we use the doodles and standard poodles is for that reason. Otherwise, I would love to use yeah. the lab because, you know, they'll eat their way through whatever they want, you know, like, you know, <laughs> feed me. go. But no, there's, there's a so- reason why we have to use the free-free ones. So there's a lot of business models that have tried over and over again to do the business of getting dogs from the shelter and turning them into service dogs or work dogs. I see the percentages are very low. How, how much success have you guys had from that? Not much. Not much. It's, I mean, it might be, uh, we have eyes and ears out and they, and so we get calls all the time, but it may it may be one out of fifty to seventy five dogs. It may and that's a that's still a maybe. I mean, when they're dumped at the shelter, they have problems. So you gotta, especially for service dog, because so much even more of a liability. Like you, you can't turn out a service dog that's dog aggressive. You can't turn out a service dog that's food aggressive. And so, you know, wherever they came from has already taught them these bad habits. And it's, it's like, okay, can we fix this? Is it fixable? What are we doing? Because for the most part, you're not going to get puppies. Um, so, yeah, it's tough. And it's definitely tough to make them a working dog. I mean, to find the drive you need for detection, yeah, it's tough. And then bite works pretty much out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you guys have a puppy program? Uh, we do not. Um, we've tried to launch it a couple times, and it seems to be more work than what it was worth just to try to recruit volunteers, teach them how to not mess them up, and then keep up with them weekly and then meet monthly. Um, so we just it's easier for all of us. Uh, every trainer and intern that I have, including myself, 
we all have a puppy in a crate, crate training it for whatever program, whether mm-hmm. it's detection or whatever. We are still doing it. You know, it's just it's. I'd love to have that, and I'd love to be able to make that work, but it's tough. You know, puppies are crapshoot. You guys know that. So oh, yeah. any little thing can mess them up. It doesn't matter if yeah. you're doing working dog or service dog or even pet dog for that matter. You can just screw it up. So. Yeah, no, we don't have that program so I, yet. I've, I'd like to go on record. You're busy. You probably haven't got to listen to all of our episodes, but every time we do a puppy episode, Ted will say, I hate puppies. I hate Just puppies. Like I hate I'll do puppies. it again. I'll do it again. Every I hate like, puppies. You're going to hell. You no. can't. I hate puppies. I, I, I'm unapologetic about it. I, you, you can send me all the hate mail you want. <laughs> I like other people's puppies. Right. <laughs> I, I don't like mine. Right. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it's, and until you like understand like everything that they need to be exposed to in the right time, when to push them and when not, no, they're a pain in the ass. And you know, raising a working puppy. to grab, you know, a, a green dog that's already a year to two years old. Somebody's already worked through that, and just just do what you need to do and roll them out. Like that's the greatest thing ever. But no, we've and we've had to do a litter of labs, even this year. We hate breeding. We don't want to do it. Um, but there's a lab shortage. Um, so here we are. Yeah. Yeah, and raising a puppy, and I say that, and I posted, or somebody posted a video from our training last night, and a dog that we bred and raised and trained at Torchlight um, is on a local department. And it's super, um, it's already, you know, I mean, all three of us can understand, like, how, and everybody listening that does this can understand how gratifying it is to even train a green dog and turn it over to a department. Yeah. But to raise one from a puppy and then see it go through the process and then go out and have his first find, go out and have his first apprehension, go out and have his handler assigned to a marshal's task force, go out and have his handler assigned to make it onto SWAT, and then the dog receive additional training. I mean, that is, that's super gratifying. And, you know, I look back and I'm sitting here while I was watching this video earlier today that we were training last night, and the dog is just fucking gangster, right? And, uh, you know, and he bites hard and he targets correctly and he's easy to shish to handle. <laughs> and, you know, and I thought, and I thought back to when he was a puppy and I'm like, God, I fucking hated you. <laughs> right. And, like, but yeah, it's super gratifying. Is- so like, I, I mean, I hate puppies, but and then I you're love- like a, you're like a overprotected parent in the stands, like cheering them on when they're doing good. Um, yeah. I, I, hate, I hate puppies, but I love the, I love the work. Yeah. And the work is, uh, you know, raising a raising a working puppy. I mean, we've had subtle on. I mean, you know, and I think Jason talked about it a little bit. I mean, we've had so many puppy people on here, and it's a fucking it's a thing, man. Like, and we keep meaning to do an episode with David Rivera and Seth Morazowski talking about the domestic breeding program for the United States, and you know, because we have even with whatever is going on with. I'm not even going to say it. With whatever's going on currently in law enforcement, today is 624. Right. Don't look it up if you're listening to this later and see what's going on. And, you know, they, we police differently here and our requirements are different. And, you know, we want to raise dogs the way that we think they should be raised. And um, there's people that disagree with that that don't live in this country. And I don't really care because I don't live here. But 
unfortunately, we don't really have a history of doing that, right? Like the United States, we don't have a very good history of raising dogs like that. Um, no. And no, it's unfortunate. Don't. So one of, and so like going back to the school side, one of the portions of our school um, that we do, um, the day the, the students have to have a puppy when they show up. Um, so that dog will be, I don't know, 14, 16 weeks old. And by the time they're done, they're however they might, they're that plus however long they've been here, which is usually six to eight months. Um, but in the process, they also have access to a shit ton of green dogs. And so mm -hmm. we teach them how to create a green dog and then teach them how to take a green dog to a finished patrol dog. Then they learn how to do a handler school and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, it's an art form like, and it's a, it is, if you're not a patient person, Oh man. I, I mean, I've wanted to drown dogs and I've <laughs> like, oh man, I have just wanted to throw kennels like off the highway. <laughs> like, yeah. oh man, puppies. But it is super rewarding once they are done um, and once they're going. We've had several like that and they're all working right now and they're awesome. But God, I hate puppies. I'm going to get Well, and that's something I want to point out with our school too. Um, sometimes we get people that, that even like instead of just doing our six week course or 12 week course or going, you know, like just police dog with you, Ted, or whatever they're going to do, they want to do the six month course, right? But they already know everything. I get this a lot. Oh, yeah. That's why I'm going to bring it up. Yeah, they already know everything. So they're upset because we start our course from. You don't know anything about dogs. We talk about their evolution, well, how we got there, you know, everything. You're going to start with clicker training. You're going to do bait and lure. You're going to do behavior mod. You're going to learn service dog task. Like, these are the things that you're going to learn. And they just want to go to straight to like, oh, I'm just going to jump out of helicopters and do SWAT shit. And I'm like, cool. No. No, that's not what we do. So then it gets pissed off, and then the last you know, month and a half, two months for our school, when we are doing the more intensive working dog stuff, because um, we've actually taught you how to hold a leash now, then then they're like, oh yeah, whatever. So I don't, I don't, you know, if, I just don't understand why if those people, that's what they want, then they should be at your school, or they should take our twelve week and instructor school. Like, why are you in the six months? <laughs> I, I, that's the big question I have, um, and we get. One or two in every single school that we have, so it's every six months, I have one or two. And we're like, here we go. So Jason literally hands out a test the first day of school, because, oh. and, it's, and we let him fail it. So like, here, this is, we know that you, some of you think you know everything, so here you go. And they do, they all fail it, and it's fine, it's not a grade. Um, but it's just kind of like we just set the bar, okay, like, this is what you don't understand, and this is where we need to go. You have to have a foundation for the basics. You have to understand behavior mod. You have to understand obedience. You have to understand just all the not so glamorous stuff before you can get to the glamorous stuff. Um, and I think that's the part that a lot of would-be dog trainers are missing. They think it's lame and it's boring and whatever. So, but, you know, that's the thing that I want to, you know, you, you can problem solve and do a lot of stuff with a dog. It's been around for five years with a problem based on basic foundation skills. 
But if you don't know those, then you can't problem solve handler and dog problems, you know? Um, anything, really, if you don't understand the basics of it. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I find that interesting that a lot of them start out all gung-ho about the police stuff, and by the time they get to the police stuff, they're like, yeah, I'm over it. Yeah. And like four short months of doing it every day. Yeah. Yeah, because we, we do expose them, like, to working dog side. Like, they're on the, like, they'll start out on the sideline helping out. They'll start running trails. They'll do this. And then, you know, as they get more functional in this six-month course, they're still graded on everything else, you know, before that. Um, you know, they get more hands-on, more hands-on, more hands-on. And then they're imprinting dogs, and they're setting up boxes, and they're doing scenario training. You know, they're doing a thing. So it's, it, it is interesting. It's harder than a lot of people think. So. Hmm. Shocker. Like we we're rooting for you. <laughs> I'm not shocked. <laughs> I I I joke. People say I, I tell people I'm really really good at teaching dogs to find stuff and bite people. Like that's my job. That's what I'm good at. I don't know the first thing about hunting dogs. I have no idea. I don't hunt. I'm not going to. And I'm not going to do hunting dogs. Just not. It's not my thing. Right. I have I have some friends that are local. Everybody in Oklahoma hunts except for me. And right. um, some of these guys are some of the best in the country. What they do. And I watch them train. I'm like, what the fuck? How? What? Like. And I watched them, and some of the like the best directionals training I've ever received oh, was yeah. watching bird dog guys. And I'm like, oh, bird how did you do that? Good. And they're like, oh, it's easy. You blah, blah, blah. Do it right. And I'm like, ah, okay. I see it. I got you now. And then some of the best handling advice I've ever gotten was from little old ladies that do agility. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> But dude, yes. seriously, they can control their dog with the, like the change in position of their shoulders. Like, exactly. I mean, crazy shit. And I'm like, oh, interesting. In fact, I taught a dog to do a, not a trick, but to do something in terms of healing that's relative to police work by just by well, I went and I was like, I wonder if this will work. And during handler school, I didn't tell the handler I did it. I was like, just make sure you do this with your shoulders. Or like stand like this with your hands when you do it. And when you leave the when you leave your position, like just make sure like you do this, that, and the other. And the dog, right. he was great, right? The handler's like, oh, this is fucking. He didn't know any better, so right. he had no idea what was going on. But I'm telling you, yeah. I mean, so there's no, there's no, there's no. Even every other profession has specialties like lawyers and doctors. Not that I'm a lawyer or doctor, but like I mean, there are guys that are only tax attorneys, and there are guys that only do brain surgery. So I mean, I only teach dogs to find shit and bite people. That's right. all I do. Sorry. I don't know anything about service dogs. <laughs> and that's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, we even do, hey, we do okay. to agility. They have to do agility, too. And uh, they have to study about earth dogs and all kinds of stuff. So there's that. Awesome. It's a, it's a big so, world that you can apply to everything. You just you need to open your mind up. Yeah. Talk about your podcast. Give us a name. Everybody tell us. Um, it is a Life of Dog podcast. Um. We just kind of tell stories about people and their dogs, whether it's uh, uh, we've done a piece on cadaver dog handling. Um, we've interviewed some cadaver dog handlers, uh, both sworn and not sworn. We've done uh, rat dogs in New York. Um, they literally turned their terriers and stuff out, and we went and ran the streets with them until after midnight uh, in New York back in December. It was fantastic. Their dogs will 
they're just all in and they'll shake the shit and kill the rat in two seconds and it's done. And uh, it's incredible to see the dog do what they're bred to do. One super cool episode was a guy that had a disease and turned blind. Not legally blind, just straight up blind and has a service dog, has a lab, actually has two now because uh, the other one's retired. And he hiked the Appalachian Trail and many other trails with his dog with no help. It's pretty, uh, when you're feeling sorry for yourself, you should probably listen to that one. Uh, that dude is like badass. Is like the most inspiring story ever. Uh, and then what we don't have cooking yet, because um, Jason has so much material, is we went up to Alaska first of March this year, right before uh, COVID, and uh, we went to Alaska to the Iditarod, and uh, we got to interview those teams before, during, and we've done some follow up after. So that's going to be an episode coming up, and uh, that's pretty cool too. It's pretty badass what they do with those dogs. Yeah, I think the only thing I dislike more than puppies is being cold. <laughs> <laughs> How cold was it up there? <laughs> I don't even um, it was like, uh, yeah, it was like eight degrees for the high. Fuck Maybe that. one day we got to fourteen. No, Travis is here care. for our school. You didn't care. Like, you, it was so gorgeous up there. Like, you were just like... What are you talking whatever. about? You didn't Take care. It's eight. <laughs> like, I mean, we came for, like, we were tourists, so we had, like, our, you know, puffy Michelin Man suits on. Like, we were prepared, so... But you're just in awe of, like, everything around you and the scenery, and they have good beer there, so there's that. Travis, the guy at the center of school, our, my friend, he's also in our, um, he works with HRD and or for HRD and he's in our school right now. He's almost done, but he lived there for like the last four years and he's talking about Fairbanks and like you wear something over your face. You got to wait for it to thaw out before you take it off or you fucking rip your eyebrows off. I'm like, are you serious? Like, I'm, that's not, but he's dying right now. And I'm like, oh, it's only like 90. Like, wait till it gets to be like yeah. 115. And I was like, then we'll yeah. get fucking hot. But, you know, so Travis is, I think he's probably taking a nap right now. <laughs> he, it was hot today. Yeah. So, yeah. So awesome. So, you're talking about mushing a, over, a little over a thousand miles with your pack. It's crazy. Yeah. Nope. Digital. No thanks. Mm. Yeah. A lot of training. So, yeah, that's for the podcast. We got a couple of things. And then, uh, we did our nonprofit last year. Yeah, let's talk about that. Uh, the nonprofit is Highland Canine Connect, and we just kind of started out in programs with, the, with our local schools. And um, basically, what we do is we we bring our dogs in there, and they're they're in the service dog. Obviously, we're not bringing working dogs in there, uh, but they're in the service dog program. They're not typically some of them for puppies all the way up to a year, year and a half old, and kids sit down and they're not comfortable reading and uh they'll sit in front of a dog and just read away and it's like the most rewarding thing you ever see and um hmm. we got up to before covid hit we were up to seven schools um and then uh we were doing other counseling programs for kids taking the dogs in they were having a counseling session with the dog with them it's pretty cool and then we're also doing um from nonprofit service dog work, we only do three a year. That's kind of where we where we have it. For 2020, we're doing 
we're finishing up training with a doodle that is going to be a mobility assistance for a 17-year-old that was bit by a shark last year, and she lost her, her leg up to her thigh and some of her hand. Um, and so we are placing them together hopefully this summer is what it's looking like, the end of the summer. Uh, and then we had a company that was local in North Carolina that has are paying for two service dogs to be trained for veterans. And uh, they want them to be out of North Carolina in Burke County. So they're trying to target Burke County. I don't know if that pool is going to be big enough, but we're going to look at it because that's where the plant's going to be. So we're finishing. We're about two months, three months out from finishing those two dogs. So right now we're in the in the point where we're trying to find a handler for those. So we're trying to advertise and, and look for veterans in that area to place those dogs. So the nonprofit's doing even with uh, COVID drama is doing pretty well. That's awesome. We talked, Ted and I talked about it, and Alicia, when you uh, let us know that you were doing that, we were like, yeah, that'll, that'll be a great success. They're, they'll do amazing work there. So let's real quick go over where everybody can find you. If they want to talk to you about service dogs, if they want to talk to you about um, maybe donating to the um, nonprofit or whatever, how do people get a hold of you? Um, you can just do our main number. It's in our main, our main uh, email address. It's training at highlandcanine.com. I have an amazing office manager named Sharon Rollins who gets you going in the right direction. She knows everything about GI Bill and VA benefits. And um, if you can just touch her, touch base with her, and it's 704-728-9494. Easy enough. Ted, how about you? Where do they find you? Uh, right now in the air conditioning. Um, huh. <laughs> Uh, working underscore dog underscore radio on the Instagram and working dog radio on Facebook. And then my personal is torchlight canine under K number nine and Ted underscore summers is basically another torchlight canine, um, with a little more, uh, with different language sometimes. And, uh, on Facebook, you can get us at torchlight canine also. Um, yeah. What about you? Uh, Van S Canine on Instagram, Van S Canine Academy on Facebook. Still, I'm baffled. I've mentioned this numerous times. There are tons and tons of you wonderful people. We love you all that listen to our podcast and follow Working Dog Radio and don't follow Ted or I on Instagram. I'm <laughs> I'm always I'm always blown away by that. I find it to be just just an interesting um, human dichotomy, but. Uh, yeah, so Van S. K9 there um, on Patreon. We were working dog radio on Patreon. And um, I think that's it. That's everything. I have a Van S. Doggy Daycare, if you like to see pictures of cute little dogs. Um, got that going on. So, uh, yeah, that's it, man. Aaron, this has been awesome. Like, I, I texted in our group text for uh, working dog radio that we could do an entire episode just on the service dog stuff. Um, oh, for sure. The the true, real service dog stuff, not the. Uh, yeah. I have an, an emotional. Not the here's the dog Anna. that. Yeah. No. No, we're not doing that. Yeah, for sure. Like, we got lots of cool stories and not so good stories. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. The next conference I see you at, we're gonna have a, some drinks, and I'm gonna get you to tell me all of the funny, dirt shit from your. Uh, from your handler schools, their training <laughs> schools, all the even weirder shit than 
than happens now if there's any Eiffel Towers or any uh, any of that crap. So, uh, oh, God. We should really be writing imagine. it down because it's all blurring together yeah. into, like, one school, you know? It's like, it's, it's, we really do need to, to write it down. It's interesting. Yeah, headaches at every school. I'm, I'm sure there's amazing things and peop- things you're like, he did what? Huh? Mm-hmm. It's like uh, in the military where they give those guys a safety brief on Fridays. Please don't go fuck anything up over the weekend. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. Don't, 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 don't contribute to the population. Yeah. Don't contribute to the population <laughs> and don't decrease in the population. Yeah, yeah don't. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no. So. Yes. It's a shit every thanks. time, but we love it. All right. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. So happy you came on, Aaron. Ladies of Canine, episode two from 2020, and uh, that's a wrap. Yep. See everybody. See ya. Our oldest sponsor, our first sponsor, and our good friend, and a great dude all around, Arno at ALM Canine Equipment. Uh, his suits and his canine tugs and bite sleeves are some of the best in the industry. His dude, I have a whole array of different uh, hidden sleeves from him of all various levels of dogs. Uh, he has a discount code for us, which is amazing, WD Radio for 10% off your first order. ALMK9Equipment.com. Give him, a, give him a shout, man. Arno is a good guy with great quality equipment. ALMK9Equipment.com. One of the original three sponsors that have been with us from the beginning is Tripwire Operations Group, LLC. They're an internationally recognized leading provider of products, services, and training for federal, state, local and law enforcement agencies and military units. They are ATF licensed for explosive material manufacturer, importer, exporter, and dealer with a wide range of explosive products to offer, including custom kits. These kits are great for detection, canine imprinting, and they have three different kits to choose from. These three kits combined create the complete picture for the explosive threats of canines. Be sure to check them out, tripwireops.org. The music in this episode is used with permission by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at Brother Deeg, that's spelled D-E-G-E dot net. Be sure to check him out there or on iTunes, Amazon, CD Baby, or anywhere you stream media. This episode has been edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt. Visit our other sites at patreon.com, look for Working Dog Radio, hrdpolicecanine.com, and look for the nearest seminar near you. You got your reasons, I got my wants, still got that feeling, but I'm too Working Dog Radio was graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. That's spelled brother, D-E-G-E, dot blogspot.com. Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Dog Radio was edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt.